think there's a guy named uh, Mr. Gorst out there that he ain't liking the pockets too much either after that one last match. He didn't like that pocket. No, because the white ball went in it a couple times. And yeah. the third time. That was a pretty rough way of losing. Talk about luck in pool. Put it out yeah. there. Well, I, I heard one time, this is 40 years ago now, somebody wrote in a book that professional pool was 25% luck. Well, that That's guy is 25% that an idiot. This is 40 years ago now. And I thought that number was high at the time. Yeah. That's high. It's not that much luck. But that guy's a twenty-five percent idiot. If you got a little bit of bad luck, just a little, it doesn't take much sometimes under certain conditions. You just need a little, little bit of bad luck. I mean, that was sick. That was just sick. That how can that even you say how can people things happen in pool where you say how did that happen? I hear it all the time. How did I just do that? Yeah. How did you know, how can anybody get that unlucky? Three I mean, I jump shots in a row and the last one a jump bank? Yeah. I get what you're saying, but, like, the the match goes hill-hill, and it comes down to that. I mean, sure, it ends unlucky, but, you know, Fedor was – am I wrong in saying he was up, like, 7-2 to two or something crazy in that set before that happened? Something like that. Five, five or six. It was 6-3 at one point, I think. Is it, yeah. it, I, I, he had a comfortable lead, and yeah. you know it doesn't take much of an opening for uh, for uh, Francisco to come back and you know blow through that door. But it's I not like it's not like that match came down to that, and that was the only reason he lost. Lately, but it's a pretty entertaining way of losing. It's a really sad way of losing, but for the viewers, it's it's pretty good cinema. Crazy sequence of shots, yeah. absolutely crazy. But the the luck thing, it's just amplified the higher the higher the level you're watching. The luck stuff, well, just and and it should be right. Yeah, 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 definitely. One lucky roll should cost you two games. Yeah, you know. well, same as one missed ball. You know, one missed ball hardly ever just means you've lost that frame. You usually get punished the frame after as well. It's just a weird thing that seems to happen at high level. Yeah, and and at the highest level, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's almost silly watching some of these like bar table races to a hundred that were were really popular about three years ago. Um, but it's almost silly watching those, you know, uh, sky would make a mistake and Dennis would run a seven. Yeah. Dennis would make a mistake and sky would run a four sky would make a mistake and Dennis would run a three. Dennis would make a mistake and sky would run a six. And next yeah. thing you know, you've played, I don't know, a hundred racks of pool and there's been 14 innings between the two players. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't very interesting to watch that stuff. I did w try and watch a couple of them, but it wasn't. It wasn't it wasn't good viewing for some reason. I don't know why. Well, they're they're I don't know, they're a tough watch, I think. I, I, yeah. I enjoy them for the artistry of it because I think uh when you watch a bar table event, I mean you're you have to understand that you're watching a different game of pool. I mean yeah. you're 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 close I mean it, it's it's in the same way like you watch snooker and three cushion billiards. I mean, they are fundamentally different games of pool, pocket billiards, or I guess not pocket billiards in one of them. But they're just different games. I mean, you can't look at bar table ten ball as the same as big table nine ball. It's fundamentally a different game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you look at it as if you're viewing it as the same exact game, of course, those are the people that are sitting on YouTube saying, "Well, that's a stupid table. Your buckets are too big. I could run fifty thousand racks on that." And and of course, it's just a different game. You just it's yeah. just dumb. It's just yeah. dumb. Um, 
Yeah, Wendy. Wendy was there with uh, her husband, Jeff, owners of Top Hat Tavern Superior. So we'll give a shout out to them. They were in the crowd. Pretty awesome stuff right there. That was a. Uh, I do kind of miss going out. I don't like sweatshirt the... What? Well, I have a. Oh, you're hat. wearing a top hat now. Tree cushion. I'm. It's upstairs. My wife yeah. washed it, so I should have put it on today. I'm not the biggest fan of that event, um, the amateur side of the event, but uh, the pro side of it. I mean, having having two world quality events in i don't know like a, that eight day stretch or whatever it is between the the alpha las vegas open and the predator world 10 ball i mean it's it's pretty awesome and it, this 10 ball that's going on now the premier league that's nine ball well at griff's oh the, yeah 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 the u.s open yeah yeah the u.s open 10 yeah, ball. Just, yeah, which that. completely gets overshadowed because yeah i don't know what great events they were, and they will probably be nothing in a couple of years. Although I look at, I scanned the field. There's some some great players in that field, but I guess the only other thing that those great players can, you know, they're all in the U.S. and the only thing else that they can play in theoretically right now is a Premier League, which is an invite only. So, you know, I guess you have 400 of the best players in the world. I, that's a bit of an exaggeration. I guess 200 of the best players in the world between the Alpha and the the Predator World Ten Ball. And only 20 of them get to go to the Premier League. So I guess, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you hang around in Las Vegas for three or four days more and play in a $10,000 added event? Yeah, it's probably only 12 of them because um, the three ladies didn't play. Um, in, obviously, in the Well Temple and Earl and Jason didn't play in it either. Um, so there's only 16 players in the Premier League pool field. So everybody yeah. else barring 12 uh, are in Vegas. But th those events, the US Temple and the 8-Ball, didn't see them advertised anywhere. I tried to find info on them about a month ago, how to enter and stuff. Even on AZ Billiards on the tournament calendar, you click through, you didn't get anywhere. It was just, I ended up emailing CSI in the end, but they never got back to me. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a, bit of a ball ache, but yeah, not very well advertised anyway. Well, I think um, Mark Griffin always put this event on yeah, um, well, out uh, of Griff's. Yeah, and sure. unfortunately, uh, Mark Griffin passed this year, so yeah. I don't know who I don't know who takes that over. I don't know how much of the advertising and the marketing that he did uh, specifically. I don't know how much of it was headed off by his team, but um, unfortunately, I guess maybe this is the the outcome of an, a, a very unfortunate passing. Yeah, is that that this event kind of hopefully doesn't go downhill, but maybe maybe the uh, the struggle that they found for this was you know, a yeah. hole that somebody realizes they need to fill going forward. Maybe yeah, it's just hopefully a, a one-time thing. They're legit. They're legitimate events. It would be a shame if they disappeared or lost some of that legitimacy yeah. for sure. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Matchroom's got to get their events in as their, and as their schedule grows, uh, there are going to be a bunch of casualties uh, that used to be some of the best events in the world. Uh, you know, these U.S., these U.S. 10-ball, 8-ball, one-pocket banks, they were never world-quality events, I would say, but they were the next thing to it five yeah. years ago, six years ago. Um, and now they're an afterthought. Yeah. Equally, quite a lot of the matchroom events, the new ones that have come up, are more regional-focused. Um, so that does give an opportunity for all of those other secondary events that you're talking about to up their game and fill that void because there are a lot yeah, more players that play full-time, right? Yeah, but it's it's like saying it's like saying the it's like saying the British Open for golf is a regional event. No, it's not. I'm I'm talking about like the Asian tour events. Shane isn't going to go out and play in like oh the the Singapore well, Open or you know 
there's only well, Shane three... doesn't. Shane won't go across the street at this point. Yeah, okay, so bad example. You know, <laughs> they're limited fields and they're focused on players within the region. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see if the the true test for me the, when it comes down to it, the Europeans are the absolute professionals about going, and I shouldn't say all of them, but you know, you see those those social media posts of. Dennis Graba and uh, Alex Kazakis and Mario He and Oliver Solnaki or, or all of the Polish players, they load up in a van and they just drive all across the U.S. I mean, those are the type of players that go to every single event that they can go to. Yeah. That to me is going to be the test as to whether or not the Asian uh, the Asian Opens are going to be world events or if they're going to be regional events. So they're going to have the one big Asian Open. And I'm going to go, well, I'm going to try to go to that. And I think a lot of the international players will, but the smaller ones will be the ones that they don't carry the prize. They probably won't carry the prize money to attract international fields. Asia's always expensive to fly to. Um, yeah. So, yeah, not not 100% sure. But the, the flip side of that is that you're going to have so many more Asian names in the world rankings, which is awesome because the Philippines, you know, some of those countries, it's harder to travel from for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, visas, so, most specifically. Visas you know all sorts of economic reasons why the, you know there's probably 100 well beaters in the philippines we've never heard of so it'll be good that they get an opportunity to travel within their own region get their names on the on the world rankings that'll be really interesting to see what comes out of it out, out of curiosity uh sean and wendy uh when you guys are talking about them being behind the matches are you talking about the pro you're not i can't imagine you're talking about the province you must be talking about the amateur the bcapl or the USAPL or whatever the uh, the amateur events are out there. Let me know. Let me know which events you're talking about out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess is, let's let's jump into the events. We we we've yeah we left off last time. We had talked about the um, the Alpha Las Vegas Open, the men's and the women's, and the the World Ten Ball was literally getting underway like a couple of racks by the time we finished off the podcast last week. So that's the big thing we have to talk about. We can talk a little bit about the Premier League pool. Uh, they're starting on day number two. I guess they're halfway through day number two at this point. Probably actually almost finished. Um, no, I guess they're just starting in the afternoon session. Just, um, so, just not the evening session. Yeah, just starting the evening session. So bad timing on our part, but, you know, what can you do? Uh, Eklund Kachi gets a second World 10-Ball Championship. Um, it looked, I loved the professional look of this. I guess just looking at the event as a whole, yeah. it looked amazing i mean it, it, it was great yeah i mean that's uh that wrap around yeah. that wrap around tv display or whatever you want to call that that looked amazing i hope that that is on their events at all of them going forward i know what their, their yeah. setup was before it was like literally a bunch of pieces of paper with um some velcro on it and then they just stuck them up together and put them together in a in a line and that's how they set up before i watched that set up a bunch of times i was involved with it a lot of times it <laughs> It looked fine. I mean, it looked okay, but you know, it looked okay in a sense of you didn't know exactly what it could look like, and this yeah. is what it could look like. And wow, did it look incredible! Yeah, it's all about competing standards, right? The you know the production value of all pool tournaments is being dragged along one way or another. You know, Matchroom are up in the game, Predator are pulling things along. Like say that wraparound and all that sort of stuff looked amazing. I think that I I do think that um, I will say the only thing that I didn't like about it was it was it was absolutely fantastic, but it kind of took away the 
the crowd dynamic. And I, and I guess in the in hindsight, that's probably a good thing. Um, I don't know that you need to have the crowd be as seen as they were in the past, but it is always kind of fun. You know, I, I travel to a lot of these predator events or I have in the past and I go to a lot of, you know, the VNEA worlds. I go to BCAPL uh, at Vegas a lot. I go to a lot of different events and I lead, I meet a lot of different people from around the country and a lot around the world. And it is kind of cool for me just kind of looking out and being like, Oh, I know him or, Oh, look, a queue it up t-shirt or, you know, stuff like that. It's pretty cool to see that in the crowd. It's really hard to see the crowd at this point, but yeah, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, maybe that's a good thing. I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I mean, if there's one little small critique I have about it, is it, it takes the crowd dynamic out of it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, because the table's so well lit, everything in the background yeah. looks does look dark. But I mean, the you know, the arena is like perfect. Well, the crowd was subdued compared to the Moscone Cup type of an atmosphere and crowd. They were just and and just laid back, and they were the commentators made some comments about the crowd and that though they're a very knowledgeable crowd when they were being appreciative of you know, certain shots by different players being made in certain matches and stuff. Yeah. I, I thought they were, they, it was just a normal uh, spectator thing uh, going on. Not nothing. I mean, that frenzy that we saw when you saw Billy with that get up on, you know, I Talk mean, nothing that, it, there was nothing like that going on out there. And uh, cause that was, that was pretty <laughs> special. I mean, that was quite the get up he had on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, as far as the, as far as the crowd um, in general, I mean, or I, I guess the arena in general, I, I, I like the flooring um, before you could kind of see like it was, it was like those puzzle pieces of, of just like the foam that kind of gets stuck together Yeah. and you could see like the cracks in the foam and you could see where they kind of put together. And I, I just thought at the end of the day with, with how great their events are that that needed to go bye-bye and it did for this one. Or at least they got new carpeting, so you can't actually see that uh, those those cracks. Um, I I just thought Predator, they needed to step up their game because at the end of the day they were falling behind a little bit on the production side of things to Matchroom, and just given the ambiance of this entire new um, build that they had, I would, I mean, as far as just maybe not the camera work, but as far as just the the presentation and the way that it looks. I think it looks better than Matchroom right now. What do you think? Well, I think it's giving them a run, and that's good for pool. <laughs> Anything that's good for the game with these little crazy balls bouncing around is good with me. I'm all on board. A little competition. Uh, just just the awareness. of I see more pool tables in TV commercials than I ever have in my life. And, and also in like... Uh, Netflix specials and that are on these uh, drama type things. There's pool tables in these shows, and they they're they're shed uh, shedding a quality light on the game again. It deserves that now. Sure. Chris, what do you think? Long enough, especially in the USA, it's been in the gutter long enough. It's time for it to come out. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's out of it now. I would say the product. Um, I don't know. I like the. I like the matchroom stuff but i equally like the um the stuff that, that was going on at the predator event I, I thought i thought it was good the production was was good i watched four or five matches they were on quite late for us um, but i watched four or five games all the way through and i thought everything was 
everything was good. The commentators uh, at the matchroom events are just much better, a different level. Much better, uh, yeah, much I better. Think, I think that's yeah, fair. a little bit for yeah. sure. There was that. What what kind of got me a little bit was a lot of the commenting when when they aren't when the non-professional commentators were in the box uh were pretty negative and stuff like that and that kind of that kind of gets me a little bit you know it's obvious that these people don't do this for a living they're just up there kind of pitching in trying to do that and give them a little bit of a break it's <laughs> if different they don't sound quite as well, good as jj or or Kelly Fisher or Allison Fisher or something. You can give you can give them a break, but you don't have to give a break to the people who are putting them on, right? Because I mean, if there's one thing that Matchroom does have, right? I mean, Carl Boyce is the best of the business for my money. I just think Carl is absolutely incredible in the box. I think Alex Laley is a close second. Um, I think JJ is really, 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 really good too. I mean, he's probably a close third in my opinion. I think Jeremy Jones is still yeah. incredible. I just his um I don't always think that uh, he just doesn't have the ability to relate as much to the average viewer, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, I, I would like to think that I, I'm a high enough level player that I understand what he's going on and I understand what he's trying to get at. But I know that I've talked to my students, uh, people that I work with, uh, and they're like, I can't listen to him when he starts Jeremy getting more technical. No, when, when he starts getting technical. They have no oh, idea what he's talking about. They just have no. He was. He was my. He's my favorite. I think because he does go into that level of. Oh yeah, yeah sure. Oh, and, really and, and I would like to think that you and I understand it, and we can kind of you know relate to that. And it, I, I obviously get tidbits from it. I love Jeremy Jones. I'm just looking at it from like an overall perspective. I think mm -hmm. Carl is the ability to be as technical or close to as technical oh, as Jeremy sure. Jones, but still be able to relate it to the the they lower the level. Right. They get the chemistry right with the but with yeah. the. Um, pairings for the commentary on um yeah, yeah. some the of the match. commentators they use they use words uh, there was one fellow for a, a match that i listened to and watched was uh he he used terms to describe the cue ball on the table its position in relation to the other balls like low or high yeah yeah if you're talking about how you hit the cue ball that's fine you could got low and high but a lot of people ain't gonna get what he just said and and you know, I think all, all about that. There's certain terms yeah. you kind of got to stay away from. Yeah. So a couple of the people you're talking about, you know, they're probably more used to in um, the UK, and certainly people who are used to watching snooker, high and low are, are completely legitimate. You know, uh, terms get high on the blue to come back into the pack. You know, low on the black, high on the black, whatever. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah. There was some of that. So and that's a little bit that's a little bit confusing to me too when because oh what does he mean by that hi okay yeah. further above the ball okay i get it that that kind of thing but somebody that's i don't know new at pool or you know they're not going to have a clue yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. that's going to lose them <laughs> yeah they're not it's not rocket science to, at the same you know yep. you can't cater to everybody they're better off talking at a level that oh Another one, I forgot completely about Niels because I still look at him more as a player than I do a commentator. But yeah, Niels is absolutely incredible too. Yeah, I do yeah. agree with Aaron though. I think Tony Robles with, um, I really like Tony Robles on the call. I don't think that he has the skills that a, Car um, a Carl or an Alex or a JJ have. I mean, he calls the game all right, but he do I don't feel that he relates to the listeners quite as well. But I also think that Tony Robles is one of the best human beings I've ever met in my entire life. So I'm also a little, you huh. know, I just think he's I just think he's an amazing person. So um, but yeah, I think he's definitely the best. Um, and then and the one thing that I think Matchroom doesn't get credit for like they should, um, 
and it's and it's a weird thing to give them credit for is they find people that you cannot effing stand as color like phil yates i'm to the point where like i just can't stand him i hate him i, I he's always so negative I, I swear to god he's never potted a ball in his entire life and yet he tells these players how stupid they are all the time how bad of shots they play and that's the kind of thing that you actually have to have you almost have to like hate the the color commentary like the Joe Buck type of thing, you you should hate that person because you just end up like hate listening to him. It's like... yeah, he's, he's multi sport though, um, you know, and a well renowned journalist in the UK. Well, he's too. got a great, yeah, he's got a great voice. I mean, and yeah. he does he does know the game. I'm not trying to you know say he doesn't, but I just the way that he's negative on people, it's just ah. Oh. But you're supposed well, to be like that. You I don't think. really <laughs> hate him. Well. No, I don't like listening to him, <laughs> okay. but at the same time, like that's, I, I think that that's honestly, like, that's not a bad thing. I think it's actually like kind of a good thing. People yeah. still listen to Fox sports and they hate Joe Buck like crazy and Troy Aikman, you know, but that's a football thing. You wouldn't understand that, Chris. Sorry. I, I know who Troy Aikman is. I don't know who the other guy is. Yeah. He's just, he's like the color commentary for, um, for Fox sports for like the right, big games, right, right. but, um, uh, I, I, I'm just talking about like when I talk about like the ambience of the arena and what it looks like. I think that yeah, I think the Predator may have taken a step in front of Matchroom. However, well, I shouldn't even say that. I do think they clearly took a step ahead of them. Uh, but if you talk about like the room in general, Matchrooms, I mean, part of Matchroom where they're just absolute geniuses is they make a room like the US Open, the UK yeah. Open, stuff like that. They make the room so much fun to be a part of. I mean, everything oh, about that room is thought out from table 26 to table number two everything is perfectly in order and predator predator shoves pool tables in rooms like you know they make they make the the tv table absolutely incredible everything else they throw in a, they, they throw in there throw some tables next to it and that's it um, yeah you know the matchroom events you can you know if i'm not playing or something in between matches or a day off or whatever you can still go down to the room and you can walk around. It's not like you have to walk in and sit down and look at a huge bank of tables in front of you. You can walk around all of the tables. It's like a maze, isn't it, at the matchroom events, Nate? You know, you can walk around all the arena yeah. through all the tables, yeah. see all the action from different angles. You can watch the TV tables from, like, every single side, you know, while you're out there. I mean, but me and you, you know, we stand – I when Mike I see Mike at the US Open, we all stand there and have a coffee and stuff in the middle of it. We stand <laughs> in the middle of the arena – Pool table 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 you can see. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's great. They're all getting better at it. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and the more the more it happens, yep. Uh, Every pool, single pool one of these on events. The way up from, all of the these promoters are just pushing each other. And I know that there's some bad blood and they absolutely cannot stand each other, Predator and Matchroom. And it's become extremely personal and everybody hates everybody else. But competition drives innovation. And I'm telling you what, uh, if you if you'd have told me before COVID what this arena was going to look like and what Matchroom is doing, I'd be like, "You guys are effing crazy." You know that this is pool and not you know cornhole, yeah. right? Or darts? <laughs> like, yeah. it's incredible. Well, Nate, honestly, I'm gonna pat you on the back here, buddy, a little bit. What you did uh, during the COVID was yeah. a was a pretty big deal. Yeah, it, it, it I only active. It kept them involved. Kept them thought looking and thinking pool and it got me to meet this cute little chris guy Such well a fun yeah, guy, yeah. Isn't he? we already did a thank you video for him i'm not patting him on the back again i'm not thanking him again i did get that <laughs> i still have that do you yeah well I'm of sure. course i'm never getting rid of that are you kidding me yeah he yeah, it every day for that himself. made me cry 
That was fun. That the the the, the VG event, the VG10 and the the VG10 2.0, the VG9, those were fun. Yeah. But, uh, and, and look at the, Okay, let's put it this way. If I did another one, would you play? There was no pool being played. Yeah. People weren't under pressure, but those VGs, you could see it from a spectator yeah. perspective. You could see the pressure on these players in that event working on it. Well, there was a lot of money involved. I mean, to think yeah. about it, you you could play my you could play my VG event, win it, never leave your house, uh, never have a hotel fee, never have you know. You, of course, you have the the entry fee stuff like that. But you'd win more than you won more in my event than. Oh, he cut thousand dollars. Yeah, he did cut out. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, we, don't, we don't know how much. Oh, first place up for those was six thousand dollars. I mean, that's six, more than okay. a Euro tour. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, when you think about it, yeah, it's yeah. You should start running the Euro Tour. Uh, yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah. I'll get right on that. Replace the Euro Tour with a VG with the VG events. I'll be up for that. No. Come on, you got nothing else to do. There's a place for it, even with no COVID. There is a place for it. For sure. I don't know if there is or not. Uh, there I, is. I mean, I've, I've spoken me. with uh, I've spoken with one pool, and they're struggling with it quite a bit, and they kept on trying to do it. Nate, I have friends that watch pool every waking minute of the day that they're either not at work or not sleeping. They're well. They're watching have you seen the pro tour these days? There's basically an event every single second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's go back to the event. I guess uh, Eklund Kachi wins it. Um, I thought it was interesting. He was one of the few players who was the wing balls down a lot. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, I. I don't want to say that that's. I don't want to say that that's the reason he won, but I mean, Powerful, as far as the way great. that he, he ran the balls out really well, and he made some great that's runouts. But I'm telling you, what, he like jumps as good as anybody I've ever seen. Well, short of Fedor, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's smashing the rack from the middle. I mean, how Shane wasn't even doing that. Shane went yeah. to the side break. Right. right. I mean, I just think that was an interesting dynamic that he was one of the few players who was doing that. And he ends up winning the event, but of course, he he's just doing hung it because in he's there. making balls. Every match, he just hung in. He hung around, and then he, when he needed to do it, get the job done, he did. did well, he, he hung around. He hung around and let the other their opponents kind of hang themselves. Is what. <laughs> the and he took advantage of that, you know, when he, when he had the chance. Yeah, Chris, what, what, what yeah. was your impression? Oh, he's just a beast, beast player. And if anybody is going to continue breaking from the middle all the way through. It's probably going to be the guy who's six foot four and two sixty. You know, he's a monster. He's big yeah. now, like he's big. Um, so he's um, yeah, he topped over me. I'm six two, and he. I look up to him. I mean, he's he's tall. When he big. hit the rack, the sound was different. Yeah, yeah, it just was. Um, so in that, yeah, if he could, ha I wonder if he could harness that maybe for the um, break box and nine ball. It could be something pretty special. You know, he could oh, have. Yeah. A big I don't know. Um. But he played great. He did hang in there in a lot of the games. Uh, Those balls just exploded out of that rack when he yeah. broke. He wasn't um, he wasn't gifted anything though. He played every game I seen him play. He played brilliant. And if you take out filler and then FSR, uh, yeah, take out filler and then FSR. You know, semi in the final. His, his shot making, his his position might have been just a hair up, but his shot bad, making huh? was so good. Yeah, he's, he was he's as good as any snooker player at their best. Yeah, and, oh, his his cue ball. Yeah, his, he his... he just was really perfect at making the balls. His cue ball was pretty good. His pretty shot making was incredible. Got, 
but he didn't need to be not playing like that, not pocketing I mean, like that. He's, I mean, he shot, he shot a ball where like his, his cue ball was basically a little bit below the spot. He comes up way short. I believe it was on a seven ball and the seven ball is like over on like the third rail and he, he cuts it up past the side pocket at like an 80 degree cut drills at center pocket and it ends up like perfect, not, not perfect on the eight, but like pretty good on the eight ball. I mean, that's a shot that I would shoot that shot 10 times and be happy to make it three times. And he like drills at center pocket. No problem. No issue. And like, yeah. doesn't even flinch. He, he just shows he when did, he's on. He's he on. Did look very nerved up to me. He looked pretty calm. Yeah. He'd um, been before, done it before. Um, yeah. You know, you know, I think he'd done it in that exact same venue before a couple of years ago. Right. It's not even two years ago either. It's like, no, it was, yeah, it was, he won the year before Wojtek. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't two years ago. I mean, in, in timeline wise, the tournament was at a different time of year, I think. It was in October. Um, uh, I don't think it was, I don't think it was September. No? I think it was in August. Was it? I was yeah. there. I was yeah, there for it. It was, it, it was August. It wasn't two full years ago. Um, that, that this happened, you know, that, that he won it the first time. So, um, when he's on, like, he's definitely, definitely in the top top 10 when he's on he can beat anybody yeah. probably easily you would say um, he's easily. in that category of when he's playing so his best game there's there's nobody you can consistently say is better than him when he's yeah, playing he his top does. this tournament just really every match i watched him was just consistent you can yeah. name five players five players that you know are going to beat him if he's playing this version of his game oh, it's just it's, you know it's just, it just proved that it's, it's not going to happen unless somebody else is in full in full flow. If you can get three or four of those guys in full flow in one tournament, that's great. I think we were pretty close to that this time. Villa yeah. played great. FSR is just like doing what he does. Um, yeah, this was the first event that I, I think Filler looked comfortable or close to comfortable with his new shaft. Still doesn't yeah. look like the same version, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, a good, it was a good tournament overall. I did... I, I wanted Fran to win. Um, i got to be honest. I, I wanted Fran to win but just so that thing could have been done and it was just a record set um but i'm watching him in the premier league pool and he just looks like he's back to you wouldn't know he just played in the world final like two and a half days ago or whatever whatever yeah. it was you know it's just you could call that the peak he's hitting he has a peak of the stride <laughs> yeah his energy level just seems to be on a different level He's not like um, I heard Apple, Darren Appleton talk about this years ago, and he was talking about being pool fit. So he talked about a lot of the Filipinos being yeah. pool fit. And it's not about like being able to run a marathon or anything. Yeah, tournament to, like, Play 12, 13 matches over the space of four or five days and not get mentally drained and still be physically in good kind of shape. Yeah. I think that's maybe where um, Fran is at the moment. That's kind of the space that he's in. And all the roles are going his way. And, you know, it's just certainly in the semis, he got a lot of, you know, everything went his way. I'm not saying he got lucky, but everything did break for him in the, in the semis. And he's just in that bubble um, where, you know, would you be surprised if he won the Premier League? Like I'd probably one to two favorite, maybe I think. He's sure. I would be, I, you can't say you'd be surprised if he won it, but like, I think that this, this tournament is like, I, I don't know that Albin is going to ever not win this because fatigue is so much of it. It is just so much. And there is nobody that I know of in the pool world that has the same pool form and like 
fitness form as Albin. I mean, Albin, Albin sure. runs every day. Albin, like you can say Earl, but Earl can't like sniff Albin's talent at this point. Uh, of course. And of course. Yeah. Albin does, Albin does the full physical and mental work that it takes to be a champion yeah. at the highest level. Yeah. And when it comes I, down to a fitness thing like this, eight days of six matches a day, I mean. Yeah. But uh, on table form, you know, actually pool form yes. at the moment, yeah, yeah. there's nobody in the tournament close to Fran, I would say. No, no, not not at this point. If, it, if, the, if it, the tournament it was three days, I agree. He, he's got uh, some type of psyche thing working for him too, also. Um, an attitudinal makeup, personal makeup in his own mind. He's got uh, things resolved in the pool world, resolved. And and so he stays positive because of that. And uh, even when things don't go quite his way, he's, he remains upbeat. Uh, yeah. But certainly yeah, that was great that fun. Like this, you know, Kachi earned this, man. He did. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely. I mean, it's not like uh, it's not like Fran made mistakes. I mean, Kachi just took it. Yeah. Kachi just took that win. Uh, and a lot, of, um, Shane made mistakes the entire tournament. He made mistakes against Eklund. Got away with it early. Eklund still took it. Yeah. I mean, Eklund took that win. Yeah, and he had a loss, oh. I believe. So, yeah. Um, so I guess looking at the rest of the event, um. Well, yeah, let's we're, let's we're, we're, let's we're throw in like, uh, put a little drama in this thing, and and uh, I want to shout out to Ed uh, Ladawi, who uh, when uh, Mika was having his little turmoil there in his match, uh, and they were talking about the rules, uh, Ed went ahead and just uh, 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 gave everybody the rules right there in front of us. We could read them ourselves, and highlighted the important parts about that. And so, uh, shout out to him for that. That just straightened things out immediately. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, we. I guess we never really talked about that. That that was since no. that happened last. Chris, do you have any thoughts on the Mika and Deluna? They obviously, don't like it. they obviously don't like each other, but like, okay. yeah, well, there are very few pros that do like Deluna. To be clear, very yeah, few. yeah, um, but. If Mika had done that in a, if Mika had reacted that way in a matchroom event, pretty sure he definitely would have got a warning. He might have been, I don't know if Emily would kick him out, but he definitely would have got a very severe warning for shouting at DeLuna like that. Mm. And there are other people in the pool world, whether Mika knew he could get away with it or not with DeLuna, but there are people that if you shout at like that, you're if you're aggressive with like that with people you're going to get a bad reaction um so he must have known that he was in a safe space doing that with the luna but there are other people if you do that with them that's going to end badly for you so i i don't i i think i know the answer to this question but let i guess let's ask you this question if he's playing against francisco sanchez ruiz does he have that same reaction no i don't think so I, don't think I think so. it's just. I think it's the Deluna thing. You. It's got to be. It's got to be the Deluna thing, right? It's got to be. Got to be. It's got to be. I mean, it's right. it's got to be. It's got to be Deluna, and it's got to be a build up because there was Must some be. build up of, in the match up until that point. It wasn't just like that was the first interaction they had that match. I mean, there was, there was a little bit of back and forth, and it got to the point where like Mika, <laughs> I'm I'm still laughing. Seven ball, 
right over there, that corner pocket, the seven ball. I might even play the 10 ball in that same pocket. Yeah. Who knows? Seven ball in the corner pocket. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I think, that's, I think that's funny. As far as theater, I mean, it was freaking hilarious. I mean, as far as like just looking at it happen, I don't – DeLuna was getting roasted a lot online for his previous – interactions with players i mean when you go back and watch deluna versus fedor and you see the moves he pulls you know fedor they come back from a break fedor says you ready to go he says yeah let's go fedor breaks and runs he walks up to the table as if he's going to hit some balls too fedor says what are you talking about i just ask you if you're ready to go oh i thought we were warming up oh no 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 yeah. I like that I mean, he pulls that move no. and then he, and then you see him break from six inches in front of the kitchen and yeah. then when he when you know, when you can you can literally see an overhead view of the break spot, and it's like three inches above the kitchen line <laughs> from him breaking there so often, and Fedor just like letting him go about it. I mean, you don't do those things. You do those things because you're trying to get into your opponent's head. You're trying to play the long game of the mental fatigue. Yeah, Deluna. Every you every single professional pool player that's been around for more than five years has a Deluna story, and right. every single one of them will tell you it off the record. Right, right. A few right, of them right. will even go on the record. Ninety-nine percent of players will have a Deluna story. He's known for doing this. With that being said, do I think he was out of line on this? I don't. I don't think that he did anything wrong. I mean, the referee, the referee is kind of the one that's getting this the skate out of all of this because he didn't hear it called. Well, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, first off, you shouldn't be calling a foul on a shot that's not a foul. That's a that's a player option, not a foul. So. Yeah. I mean that's I mean that that in itself is whatever. Let's say he just he 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 had a slip of the tongue, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you need to you need to verify what you need to verify before you start throwing out. All right, you're done with your inning, or you're calling a foul. You need to stop play. You need to check to see if he did it. That's fine. But like Deluna did nothing. Deluna stood up once he said foul. I mean, I don't think that Deluna's out of line for doing that. Mika going off on him after that. I don't know. I don't, there's two professional, two seasoned, full-time professional pool players, and the third guy in that arena is not a professional pool referee. So yeah. there are two guys there who know the ins and the outs of the game. There's no way the Luna. There's no way Deluna didn't know what Mika was going for. Oh, he was well, just guys and yeah, trouble. and and that's what Gord said too. Like it's an obvious call. Cool. You're correct. It is an obvious call. And I had this, I had this in a tournament that I played in on Saturday. Somebody played, um, somebody played a shot. There, there was a ball. One of my balls was hanging in the jaws and his ball was like four inches away. And um, that was my second to last ball on the table. And the other, my last ball was down on the end rail and it was completely in trouble. Um, he, he shoots the ball through my ball, doesn't call it, but he just shoots the ball through my ball and he plays his cue ball for a safety. Well, he stays at the table. I'm like, did you call that? And he's like, yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> this is one of those situations. Well, yes, it's obvious, kind of. It's yeah. not, right? Because yeah. by the letter of the law, you have to call. The rule doesn't say kind of obvious. There's no, yeah, there, there is no obvious bank. Close no to obvious, obvious kick no, shots, no. and there's no obvious like shooting a ball through a ball. You have to call all of those things. Yeah. Do you have to call a straight in ball? No. Do you have to call, call a cut? No. Do you have to call a combination? Yes. Do you have to call every bank? Yes. Do you have to call every kick shot? Yes. He he should have called it if he didn't call oh, he it. Did he call was it. saying he was saying he called it. He yeah. said he called it. And they checked the video. I don't know if he called it or not because he, you can't really. You I didn't see anything from the audio that said he called it. 
No, but, but he said he did. Yeah, the commentator was talking while Mika was down in his shot originally, and then we didn't see the replay. So we couldn't have heard him on the audio because the commentator was talking, but they've, oh, gone, yeah. and checked, they've gone and checked the tape, and he mouths it. So, I mean... Oh, okay. So he's, yeah. he's, he, he's called it. Whether the refs heard him or not is like... in constant. That's the ref's job. That's the ref's job, yeah. Um, so, but again, you know... Mika's got to make it obvious. The referee is not a professional referee. If there are no referees and we don't have these big events, they are basically volunteering for these things. I know the guys don't get paid much of anything. The matchroom guys do. But I know, you know, the vast majority of uh, the referees at the large events don't get anything. Uh, they get some, they might get $50 a day in the room half discounted or something like that. Um, but they're doing it for the passion of the game. And if yeah. they, if those volunteers semi-volunteers don't turn up there's no tournament or the kudos for those folks that do it you know there's no there's not a tournament to the level that we the players bit being selfish want to see you know we want a score mark around the referee at every table um so they're not going to come out of thin air yeah well at the end of the day um i don't think that deluna was in the wrong here i think mika handled it the wrong way but <laughs> i don't think he i mean if there's one i mean he was he was aggressive verbally he wasn't aggressive physically and honestly, I, I it got it got kind of heated enough to where like I honestly I didn't know what the hell was going to happen because it actually like Mika was saying it in a pretty aggressive verbal way. I didn't know what was going to end up happening out of it, but I don't. I think the ref is getting off easy. Um, Mika did not handle it the best way, but I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, um, the ref. It's a bad look. It's a bad look, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, the ref. Um, the ref bad position. It's, I don't think it's it. Any blame can be placed on the referee at all. In fact, he's gone back and made the right call, which a lot of people wouldn't do. A lot of people would just say, no, I was right the first time. I'm not looking. So I think the ref's done a really good job in a difficult situation. Um, but I do think Mika, you could, I would say that was physically aggressive. I mean, he's looked at him, he's shouting at him. Pretty much. Like, <laughs> you could say that, and I and I wouldn't push yeah, back. I didn't, I didn't think it was physically aggressive, but I thought it was very verbally aggressive. And if Laura, if what Laura is saying is correct, I I this is the first time I've heard that. I don't know that Jeff called Mika a liar. That's oh, they the I've heard that. Yeah, they, I mean, they, if, they know that. You know, so um, Jeff. Did, did you hear that, either of you? I didn't, I, but I mean, did she, I mean, did she, Laura's obviously heard, seen that, watched it, whatever it may be. Um, I don't even. I don't even think I saw Jeff say a word the entire time, hardly. I mean, yeah, he was even when he went back down and sat in his seat, he he was saying something. Um, you could see him saying something to Mika, but I I don't. Um, and if that's the case, then that 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 makes me look at Deluna a little bit differently. Then, in yeah. this situation, at the I end mean, of the day, I think I think we can all agree that the situation wasn't ideal. It was kind of entertaining, um, but at the end of the day, I think I think Mika handled it the wrong way. And he handled it the wrong way, partially because he's worked up. It's you know it's late in the set. He thinks he just oh, made yeah, the shot to win the set. Up. And Deluna is known for pulling moves, which is going to you know give him a shorter leash to begin with. And pulling moves is that short for sharking? Uh, his stuff goes beyond sharking. It's not just sharking <laughs> oh. him. I mean, he he is comfortable working at the edge of. He is very comfortable working at the edge of the rule book or crossing over it completely to try to gain an advantage. I mean, when he breaks completely out of the box against Fedor, I mean, that's that's pretty obvious stuff. Nobody, you've been playing this game for 20 years at a professional level. You've been playing at it for at least 10 years. 
and you can't tell that you're four inches out, you're halfway to the third diamond. You're not doing that on accident. You can see the break spot when he does that. I mean, you're it's it's not even close. The ball is 100% out of the kitchen. You're doing that for a reason. Yeah. And ev- like I said, if, if you're ever around a professional player who's been around for a long time, five years or more, ask them for their best DeLuna story. Every single one of them has one if they've been around long enough. With that being said, I've never had a bad interaction with him. I'm not one of his competitors, um, but I've never had a bad interaction with him. But I'm not competing against him. So I don't know. It's a weird situation regardless. I'm. It's it's something that happened. It's kind of funny because really, real world, no harm was done in the end. So everything's good. But I'm happy that it happened on a tournament <laughs> that was on YouTube and not a tournament that was on Sky and zone and all of those things. Because um, that is a, it's a bad look for professional pool. Um, so I'm glad it didn't happen where the wider public could see it. Yeah. yeah but, well, but these things happen to uh, to all of us. Should, well, should should we move on from one controversy to the the next obvious uh, oh, obvious uh, controversy with Earl? Earl. Do we have anything else to say about the the Predator World Ten Ball? Congratulations to Eklund. I mean, that, yes, absolutely. Congratulations. Um, I guess what I'll, I'll, I'll do it really quickly. It was, it was wonderful to watch. Fedor yeah. Gorst and Joshua Filler get third, fourth. Um, Coping Chung, Shane Van Boning, Dennis Graba, and Aloysius Yap uh, get ninth through twelfth, or uh, I guess uh, what fifth through eighth, fifth through eighth. Um, Chang Jung Lin, Marco Tauscher, uh, Jean Van Lierop, uh, Wu Kun Lin, Conrad Yushchishin, Lee Van Corteza, Oliver Solnaki, Max Lechner get your nine through sixteenth. What, uh, what was the, least the tournament paid for the people who made the? Final uh, sixteen. I actually don't even know what the payouts were. It was sixty thousand for first, forty for second. I know that. But then uh, I I think it was maybe nine thousand for where Shane ended up. Oh, here we go. Uh, Payouts, payouts, payouts. Sixty thousand, forty thousand, twenty thousand, eight thousand, three thousand, seven hundred fifty, and fifteen hundred for seventeenth through thirty second. Oh, wow! Tails off. Yeah, I mean it's super, super top heavy. Yeah, super. Yeah, but it sounds yeah, really first and second, especially yeah. yeah. Well, first, second, and third. Uh, I mean, but I guess I guess uh, fifth is third, fourth is twenty thousand each. Yeah, fifth is eight thousand each. But there's four. Well, championship yeah. top heavy is good. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I I mean I don't I don't I don't I, at the end of the day I'm always an advocate of keeping. <laughs> keeping as many players alive with their professional dreams as possible. Uh, yeah. At least until the purses get up to be about a hundred and 150,000 to where you could win one a year and be okay. Uh, I, I like the idea of keeping as many people with as many bullets as they can. Definitely. Um, so I like, I like paying deep, but all right, let's, let's move into the Earl controversy. I guess, uh, I mean, it's not really a controversy, right? I mean, it's just, uh, it's just kind of at the end of the day, it's Earl being Earl. And I, you know, I get a lot of, you, you always have your Earl lovers who are like, He's a legend. Who the hell are you? You've done nothing ever, and he's he's won a million world titles and a million titles, and you're you you're just a hater. Correct, you're right. I am a hater. However, <laughs> I am a hater who has the interest of the future of this industry at heart. And at the end of the day, we are keeping Earl Strickland around not because he can play pool. We are keeping him around because he is a clown at this point. 
when when he when he's playing against (laughs) okay chris you're 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 kind of you're on the you're on the tail end of the professional players sorry but you are a professional pool player do you can you name five players in the world at this point that are more liked than fran francisco sanchez ruiz five that are more liked that yes yeah he's just university like doesn't he does anybody in the world not like francisco sanchez ruiz not i don't know them everybody loves the guy he's never been accused of pulling any moves ever i know he's perfect i mean he is damn near as close to a perfect representation of class pool as you could come up with yeah yeah so when you have earl strickling telling him he shouldn't be moving on my shots that's why i missed the ball i was looking at him the ref says he wasn't moving earl responds with i know i thought he was going to yeah he was gonna well, well you know about this, for 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 all the players <clears throat> out there that want to think about a psychological perspective in the game of pool, here's one for you. I've had a couple quality pool players in my life tell me this, that they never, ever accept responsibility for a mistake in pool. There was always a reason other than themselves having a flaw for what just happened during the game. And they use it in matches, that same mental framework. Yeah. That they yeah. never blame themselves for yeah. anything bad that happens in the game. So that was so that was a clown move. At the end of the day, that is a clown move. What I will say to this, I don't have a problem with that. I think it's silly. I think it's, I, like I said, it's a clown move. What I do have a problem with was the very next match he stares Rita down, and he was extremely aggressive with the way that he was staring her down. He was being an absolute asshole because, because she took a drink of water while he was shooting a cross bank <laughs> that was not even at him. I mean, he was – sure, it was on the same side of the table as she was sitting on. She took a drink of water. So he has to look nearly 45 degrees over to be able to see her. And then he literally stands there and stares at her and starts like harassing her that she's moving around. And I don't know Rita. I, 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 I mean, I'm sure at some point in time, I'll get the opportunity to meet her in some sense. I don't know if she speaks English a little bit. I don't know if she speaks English fluently. I don't know if she speaks English at all. The fact that he sits there and like, basically like tells her to stop moving and is like aggressive and staring at her, staring her down. Yeah. She might not even be able to understand what he's saying to her. If yeah. she doesn't speak pretty good English, she's going to have no idea. All she's going to do is look up from her, like drinking a glass of water and having him staring her down and being pretty verbally, you know, firm minimum at a minimum at her for doing something. And she has no idea what she's done wrong. All she knows is she has this guy staring at her. That is yeah. that is an intimidation move. It is not a pool move, and all he's trying to do is gain an advantage over her by intimidating her. Yeah. And he might not be doing it. Phys- he might not be able. To, he might not be doing it consciously, but that is the that is the outcome of what he is doing. Yeah, that is I don't think he's doing, it, I don't think he's doing it consciously to get to get one over on someone. It's just have you guys happened. ever been intimidated in a pool match by no. the behavior of an opponent? No. Yeah. I, yeah, but I played in a tournament once, and I, I, I played in a tournament when I was fourteen. And when I was fourteen, I was about a hundred. Fourteen, I was probably like seventy pounds. I was a really small kid. 
Uh, I was a really small kid until I, I turned about 18 and then I kind of hit a, another growth spurt, but I was probably like 70 pounds. And I had, I had a grown man, like a, a 45 year old man get into my face as a, as a 14 year old kid, because I beat him nine ball on a slop nine ball. And he got into my face and I, he actually, uh, his son came and pulled him off of away from me. And I had like three people that were like there on my behalf that came over and like got in his face. But I had that happen as like a 14-year-old kid. He was just pissed drunk. That's he didn't like good. that I got lucky. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I've had that happen. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's 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 bullshit. I mean, that, uh, sorry for my language for anybody who is out no. there doesn't like swearing. Yeah. That is bullshit. <laughs> what he did to her was complete. It's 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 bad that he does it to any of his opponents. It's really bad when you do it to a woman that doesn't even potentially doesn't even speak English. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the pool culture I grew up in was seriously maimed and sick. I just have to admit it. It was the whole culture. But anyhow, pool for sure was that there was no limits on what you could say or do playing a match against your opponent. And in other words, any single tactic you wanted to use was fine. It was acceptable. Any behavioral modification... <laughs> things you want to do and and there was also kind of an inner pride taken from the person who could you know get somebody off their game uh, routinely the easiest yeah. by just maybe saying something to them it was a it was just a, a chaotic environment for pool but what happened was all the players from that era have an extremely insensitive skin and and just a lot of backbone in the game because things around them don't affect them. Yeah. Your, your environment doesn't affect you. Yeah, yeah it's not. It's not. Not good. I don't know. But he's, I, I'm not, I just he's I can't stand. I just cannot stand the idea that he's going to whether whether he's trying to do it to gain an advantage. I agree with Aaron. I agree with you guys that I don't think he's trying to do it to gain an advantage. That doesn't change the fact that that is literally what is going to end up happening. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Oh, no, because I think Earl does it to gain an advantage. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't do it. Oh, no. Uh, maybe, he does, maybe he does do it unconsciously. Maybe he just does it unconsciously. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But the, the fact that you're – that, regardless, is going to be the outcome of that happening. And Rita is – she's a world champion. She is one of Thank the best female players in the world. She does – and and for all intents and purposes that I know of, she is a class act who just plays pool doesn't try to gain an advantage off the table. She is, she should not be subjected to that type of intimidation playing pool. It's it, it. I mean, I don't like Earl to begin with at this point in his career. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that. And anybody who listens to the podcast, I get about seven messages on YouTube after every single one of these things where I just go off on him. And he says, you know, I get the whole, why are you picking on him? And why, why are you always harassing him? And you can't shine his shoes. And all of that is true. All of that is absolutely true. That doesn't change the fact that he's a goddamn child and he acts like it every single opportunity <laughs> he gets. That is why he's been invited, though, to be fair. Yes. <laughs> Probably. Because he, well, can't, he can't play anymore. I'm, I don't mean well, that literally. I mean, obviously, he can still put together a match sure or two or he can still play at a high level. I'm not trying to say he can't. But he, when you're talking about you know 15 of the best players in the world, the fact that he's on that list, stop it. Same with Naoki. Oh, yeah, he's going to be in a Moscone as well, isn't he? Wouldn't you say? No, I don't. I, it's so hard you don't to think say. So? 
Well, he's not going to qualify. This, I'd agree. But they've invited. It's a new year. They've invited him to this. There's every possibility in the world that he gets in the U.S. Moscone Cup team. And is he in the top ten players in the country anymore? Jeremy Seaman's better than um, you know. There's so many players better than him now. Yeah, um, there's a dozen better than him. Yeah. Yeah. So it is what it invitation. Yeah. The entertainment him. level, I think they bring him on. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. He didn't, you know, let anybody down with that entertainment thing. I mean, yeah, it's not going to help you win anything, but yeah, exactly. I will say he he was he was he was actually on his best behavior for the most part at the Moscone Cup. I have no complaints about that. Yeah, pretty good. This I have a complaint about because this is this is nothing more than bullying. He's he's literally bullying his opponent his his opponents. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not good. But on the plus side for you, Nate, I think he's probably going to get knocked out of the tournament today. So, oh. Isn't it after? No, it's after like day four or something like that. Is it day four or something? Yeah. Well, he's essentially he's probably essentially out of it, and yeah, he's he's close to being out of it now already. I would say. He's, I mean, um, he, I would say this. He played well. Um, he played well in his in his matchup against Rita. But I find it ironic, and I haven't checked the I haven't checked the stats today actually, so I don't I don't know what he did this morning. Um, but I find it ironic that the only match that he won. Is one where he literally intimidated his, bullied his opponents. Yeah, yeah that's the true. only match I'm looking at it now. That's the only match that he won is the one that he literally bullied his opponent. Yeah, so he's he's out of the tournament then, isn't he? Really? Is he? What is he? Third from bottom? Uh, he's got to be pretty close. Whooping then third from bottom. I don't know, but um, yep, that's it. I, I he, the only one he won is when he literally stared down and bullied it. What I thought was weird. Well, but I, I do. Sorry, I, I do agree. If you don't mind, I do agree with that. Though this is this is a Mos the the PLP and the Moscone Cup are TV shows, and a lot of people get mad at me when I say that too. But it, it's not a, it's not a pool event. It's not a world championship. It's a it's it's a pool event. Just like or it's, it's a TV show. Just like you know, just like WWE and WWF. I mean, those are they're fake wrestling. They're TV shows. They're not they're not designed to be real. I mean, obviously everybody that's out there is playing as hard as they can, but it's it's not a real event. It's 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 a TV it's, show. It's not the real Premier League. If it was the real Premier League, you'd have the 16 best, right? So it's not yeah. that. You know that. Uh, and it's probably only got... They wouldn't go to five. They'd go to 13 or some other number. <laughs> well, it's, 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 got people, it's got people in there that aren't even ranked. And I think one of the men's players right. is ranked 127th or something. Uh, another one's 93rd, uh, I think. And then the two ladies aren't even ranked. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a good event for Matchroom to be able to experiment with. Um, they can do what they like. Sorry, oh, yeah. that's great. Oh, it is. That is good. So, how are you doing on time, Chris? I know you said I'm, you I'm, I'm, today. I'm, just, I'm, I'm watching the pool at the same time as talking to you. I'm oh, playing Conrad. Conrad's yeah, playing. Conrad's playing great. Pool players are multitaskers. They are. <laughs> I'm watching it too. And so is Ryan Harmson, apparently. <laughs> Conrad's played great up to this point. He's probably been the best player in it. I, I think he is top anyway, but um, the way he's played, he's been good. Jason looks like he struggled a little bit, maybe. I think he might be trying some new stuff. He's not playing with his extension on his queue anymore. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. He might be trying some new some new stuff. But um, yeah, been good so far. I always find this event interesting. You get to watch so much pool. There's like probably like a hundred hours worth of pool over eight days, something. This is good. Yeah. I'm trying to find the match. Um, I'm trying to find the stare down the match kind of as we're doing this of 
the way that he's just stared down. Read it. So you're talking about the 10 ball that's going on right now? That nine, nine ball, ball. that's Premier League pool. Oh, oh, Premier League, okay. It's on, it's on YouTube because they've got two tables streaming okay. on YouTube on the Matchroom pool page and the Matchroom multi-sport page. Oh, all right. Both yeah. tables going, so um, it's uh, it's good. How old's Al now? 60, what, 62, 63 or something? Uh, 60, 61 or 62. 60, 61, I think. Well, I, for, for, for the people like you who aren't keen on him there's only a couple of more times you're going to have to watch him i think um from that perspective i'm always going to watch when he's playing um i do like watching him play i like watching, I like watching him play too i don't i like to watch him play i don't like mm. to watch him be a child i like the contrast between the old style of playing and the um new style um the contrast between americans and europeans is always good anyway technique wise and stuff oh for sure if you're a geek then yeah well you see a few players i guess uh, tyler steyer is probably one of them who was who was uh in in the category of the european maybe more style physical style of pocketing balls stamps Mm -hmm. and stuff yeah for technique wise yeah definitely yes so there are a few uh, you know but not not a lot no there's not there's there's not many um I can't think of anyone apart from Tyler. I'm sure there are others. Oh, uh, uh, Joey, Joey Tate. He played. He, Joey Tate, is, yes. As well yeah. as um, Justin Martin plays very much like that too. I'm not sure who, who that is. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure there are others, and there will definitely be more. I think he's a Florida player, right? Uh, I think South Car- no, South or North Carolina, one of the two. Okay. I think North Carolina is where he's from. Um, yes. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Ed Sophie plays a lot like Earl. Villa just broke the 840 mark, right? Fargo rate. 840 is oh, really? Now. Wow. That's pretty incredible if you did. First, first player ever to break it. Wow. Uh, and there are a couple of others creeping up around it. So Fran's like 836. Well, how do you go up from there? You got to play players who are better. Well, you can well, play players that you can play players at any level. You just have to not lose against them. Just <laughs> You're supposed, against you have them. to well, beat yeah, them. You have to play at 835 and you didn't lose a one seven and nothing. I suppose your number would go up. There's so many more opportunities for those top players to play each other under the right conditions. Well, techni- um, technically speaking, if you play a, a 300 level player and you beat them 100 to zero, your number is going to go up. Funny yeah, but, I mean, yeah, those are outliers, right? If we're talking about the guys at the very top of the Fargo rate stuff. It's... I mean, every, every, but that's the thing with the Fargo. That's that's a lot of people. Like this is a misconception that a lot of people have. It's like, well, if I'm a 700 level player and I'm almost a 700 level Fargo player. A lot of people think that my Fargo number can't go up unless I play people who are 730 or 670, somewhere in that range. That's the only way that my number can go up. That's not true at all. I mean, at the end of the day, your number, every single match that you play, there's a predicted score. If you're 200 <laughs> Fargo points higher than them, you're supposed to be winning four games to their one. So if you win four games to their two, your number is going to go down. If you beat them eight games to one, your Fargo is going to go up. It doesn't It doesn't really matter what what the, your opponent's Fargo number is. It's, it's how well you do it against them compared to what Fargo would predict that you do to them. So, you know, Joshua Filler could play a 300 Fargo and win 7,000 to one and his Fargo will go up. He could also play a 300 level Fargo and win nine to one and his Fargo will go down because he's supposed to beat him by more than that. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's, but that's that's what it is. The Fargo rate. It's, it's, it's interesting 
just to see the numbers at the top. But the real, I think the real purpose behind the Fargo rate stuff is to allow intermediate level players to match up evenly against each other, right? It's not about 800, it's about five, four, five, 600 players, right? Yeah. yeah. So it does a, it, I think it probably suits its purpose. Uh, that I is one of the nice things about that system is that that's, it can be applied across the board equally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's never going to mean anything at the top of the game in real terms. It's never going to it's never going to get you anything. Um, but it's any of the eight hundreds can beat any of them. Mm. No, but but I'll but I'll. I mean, everybody who says Fargo means nothing at the highest level. I am happy to give them every single player that is a lower Fargo rate for a hundred dollars a bet over the course of the year, and we'll see who wins. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't it doesn't mean anything, but in real world terms, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna bet and stuff, yeah, that means something. But for the two players that are playing, like I'm watching Conrad and L play now, when are they ever gonna talk about their Fargo rates if they're gonna match up? It's never gonna happen, right? Doesn't matter it doesn't matter to them ever in a million years. Um oh Jesus, he's just missed a seven over the pocket. Oh no. Well, maybe we should maybe we should just can we just put this on? The podcast, Nate, can you just televise this? No. No, you can't do it. Legally, probably can't do it, I suppose. And I'm not going to do it anyways. Oh. It's a free product. Everybody can find it. Yeah. Okay. I, I finally found this. Uh, I finally found the uh, the spot. You got it. Can you put that on screen? Bring it I'm on gonna... screen, Ed says. Come on, let's go. It's free. Can't beat free, Ed. Here you go. Let's watch Earl. I want to see what he's going to do next. This is riveting podcast. Right how is, how is, Con, really how is Conrad's English? I don't, I don't know him. So. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty yeah, good? It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Here, here's, the, here's the stare. He just sits there and stares at her like this. And then he starts barking out like stuff. <laughs> I love it. Because she drank some water. Yeah, it's yeah. And this is makes me kind of squirm in my chair right now. <laughs> and this, like, what you say? You're not serious, are you, Earl? <laughs> I'm I'm checking the time. Like this is like 17 seconds later. I like his shirt though, Mister Nineball. I like that. He just stares at her. This right here is 17 seconds later. This is this is now how he's like staring at her. It's 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 just a bullying tactic, is, is all it is. He's literally Ooh, yeah. bullying her. Right. Are you sharing something else? Yeah, I just gotta oh. get it. Oh. Yeah. This is like 17 seconds later, and he never lost contact staring at her yeah so the ref should probably step in there and do something but it would be funny if he time fouled himself it would be funny um but that's because she took a drink of water on it like i know he's, he's you... yeah he's, a, he's just a, <laughs> yeah it's not yeah i don't know it's, it's not good laura just raised something good there did anyone see the highlight really i did not see that no brain melon just doing... i saw the kick shot what, that was insane. See, I was saying to I was saying to my mate earlier, um, 
every time you see Melling lining up something crazy, right? I I feel like he's favourite to make it, no matter what it is. He's certainly not drawing dead ever. <laughs> I watched that. I watched. I was watching that game live earlier, and he lined it up, and I was I was sure I was like he was over fifty percent to make it, and I always feel like that when he's playing. He can just do. Yeah. He's so unique in that yeah. aspect of shot making. There's nobody. There's nobody like him. I can't think of anybody else who's ever been like him. Yeah. I, I played Chris in 2011 out in Vegas in, in uh, a nine ball tournament out there. And it was, it was, I didn't even know who he was in 2011, you know, but it was, it was a thrill. It was just to watch him. Uh, just and that was just a bar box tape. I mean, that wasn't a nine footer. So. Yeah, that would have been his first Moscone year, 2011. I think he did 2011 and 2012. Um, but yeah, he's just... And he, the thing is, you guys don't see it, but we've got English eight ball over here in big tournaments, ultra sure. cold at the moment. And like the last three or four times he's played, he's done something just ridiculous. You know, <laughs> over the space of one match, he'll just do something absolutely insane. Um so for you like know, the rack against Mika, Mika, that's all on the internet. Yeah, for any promoter, possible rack. Any promoter, if he's playing in your event, you know there's a reasonably good chance that he's going to get a highlight reel that's going to get like a hundred thousand views or something. One yeah, shot, absolutely. You know, done it in. That Karen bank shot to start off that rack with, that in itself, was worth the watch. Period. Yeah. The yeah. first. Yeah. Not and just shot, but the first the mass say shot as well, and then the four railer. I think the four railer is the best shot of all of them. I mean, it's oh, yeah. no room in there. I mean, no room between those yeah. balls for that four railer. All right, guys. Well, let's uh let's close out the podcast. We've been basically talking about nothing besides anything. We suck. This podcast, this show, Chris this show is stupid. This show stinks. Money. Everybody, go watch actual real pool. We don't know what we're talking yeah. about. Uh, yeah, we forgot to talk about the Slugfest 2023. Well, we don't have to worry about that because Ed Ladawi is coming out with a sweet racking uh, little template thingy that's going to fix everything that's wrong with this pool world. So good good for Ed. Everybody check it out in about six months. We'll what talk it? about it more later on. Well, we'll talk about it off air. For a pool invention that hasn't been invented yet. So I, I want to bring this to you guys after the podcast. See what Yeah, we'll think. talk about it. Uh, okay, so uh what who's your favorite to win the premier league pool and who's your dark horse chris go on fran and conrad rob who do you got yes francisco absolutely he's just top got of a his dark game horse? right now got a dark horse uh dark horse uh how about an american say l say l say uh I don't know. Is Skyler playing? Yeah. Playing good. Yeah, I'm going to – I like Alex. I always like Alex, but I'm going to take Skyler. Okay. I'm going to pick uh, – you know what? I'm going to pick as my favorite. I'm going to pick Sanjin. And for my dark horse, I like Conrad. I think Sanjin breaks through and wins one of these things. Although I really honestly think Albin's going to win because I think that he is the perfect player for this type of format. Uh, yeah, but probably he is, but yeah. It's kind of boring to do three-peat. So I'm going to say Sanjin, but I really honestly think Alvin is going to win. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. We appreciate you always listening to our banter and our stupidity. Stay tuned and for some future virtual pool, possibly. 
Yeah, we'll be back next week as always. Bye-bye, everyone.